Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Uh, happy that y'all are here with us. Uh, Rachel, if it, if it means that we have to get Zach to have his appendix out every time you come, we'll, that works for me. We can get him to lose some other organs. That was great. Uh, thanks for coming. That, that was lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Zach's expendable. but uh, uh. No, he's not. <laughs> Um, he came into my office. Well, this has been... You know he's watching right there. So. Oh, well, never mind. Okay, uh, never, mind. <laughs> never mind. I always forget. Well, always forgets yeah, we're on mind. the internet. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay, never mind. Hey, Zach, we love you. <laughs> and miss you. <laughs> yes, and miss you. Hope you feel better. Yeah. Um, I was reading... Not too long ago, I do a lot of, I, I, I love to read and I love to study and I love to study people that are smart. And one of the people that I um, really, really respect is, you've heard me mention him numerous times in here, is John Gottman. Uh, I don't think he's a believer, but he is one of the most respected people in the world on uh, marriage relationships and um, if you ever get a chance to read anything that he has written um, he's a real deal um, yeah secular world Christian world any kind of world he, he, he's the man and uh, I was reading some stuff by him and I don't, I'm sure he didn't even realize it but it just it made me think about not only my relationship with Shirley, but my relationship with God, my marriage to God, as well as my marriage to her. And so I took, well, you'll see here in a minute, but I took some of his fundamental ideas, and we're going to talk about them the next, I don't know, three, four, five weeks. I'm not exactly sure, but um, how we can really move our relationships from a place of badness, dysfunction, a lack of health, a lack of satisfaction, and we can move it to better places. It's, you know, I hear people tell me all the time, yeah, my marriage didn't just, it just didn't work out. It just, it just didn't last. It just fell apart. It just went south as if it's ke like catching a cold. It just happens. Dr. Gottman would say, that's not true. Just so you know. Relationships don't fall. Mom, dad. Yeah, uh, any relationship. Yeah, any relationship. Least, yeah. Parent, child. Child, parent. Friendships. Marriages. Work relationships. Relationships don't just fall apart. They fall apart because there are certain things that are taking place or not taking place and when those things take place or don't take place they either flourish or they fall apart they die and for us to act like well it just didn't work out as if I caught a cold that, that that's that's foolishness only a, an idiot would think that and so I don't want us to be idiots I want us to be smart to be wise and so we're going to talk about some of this over the next 
oh, I don't know, a few weeks. Um, and like I said, these principles are, Dr. Gottman is in the, stalking in the context of marriage, but it's any relationship. My relationship with my daughter, my grandson, my wife, my mom, with friends. Um, yeah, so I want you to really listen with me as we talk about this because, yeah, I think it's important, um, really important. I want to start off by asking you a question. Okay. Okay. I'm right. We've been married 40 years. We got married in 1981. Yeah, so yeah. 41. Coming up. Yeah, coming up, 41. We are old. I'm old. You're not old. <laughs> you look great. Um. You're cute, uh, too. I, I don't care. As long as you look great, I, I don't care. Okay. Uh, um, but thank you. Um, when we got married, you didn't ever say this to me, but there were certain qualities that you were looking for or valued or prioritized when we got married Forty years later, the things that you were looking for when we got married in 1981, June 6, 1981, um, have those values, those priorities, have they changed or have you learned from that? Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. After 40 years. Yeah. So, um I think the first part of that I'll answer by saying what, what um, characteristics of a person I was interested in being with. When you were 21 versus 61. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they're good things, but they have changed. Uh, I, my father was dependable, so it was important to me that I be with someone dependable. I was used to that, and I find that a, a strong character quality. And uh, um, being that young, I thought that... So, being with somebody funny was important. I'm hysterical. He's hysterical. Mm -hmm. And so uh, some, I, I thought funny was a big thing. Um, often uh, uh, attractability is, an, in, you know, do you think this person is cute or pretty? Um, I am cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was probably dependability would have been the, the strongest one. Okay. But now after these years... Uh, I've been thinking about it. I knew the question was coming. So I think that the three things that I think are the most important for a long-term relationship, for me, in a long-term relationship, would be um, the ability to talk about and offer forgiveness, reciprocal forgiveness. Mm. Dang. Um, vulnerability. That's a good one. I mean, it, I've well, heard that's a big one. Many, many of my heroes would say that great marriages are made up of great forgivers. Great forgivers create great marriages. Grudge holders, people that hold stuff over your head, remind you of stuff, beat you up for your... That doesn't, that, that's not what Dr. Gottman said, but that, I've read that many, many times. So the ability to forgive and want to, mm. you know, want, want to be able to forgive. Uh, vulnerability, somebody will tell the truth about their, mm. you know, and their... Their, themselves and what they know of themselves and um, trustworthiness which may be the mm -hmm. cousin of dependability but more 
person who can trust their word, trust them to follow through. They say they're going to do it. They're going to do the best they can to get that done. Um, okay. So those are. Well, you hit on a lot of what Dr. It. Gutman would say yes to. Um, we're going to talk about the first one today. Of there, I'm going to talk about four, or we're going to talk about four of the next few weeks. Um, he mentions others, but these are the big ones. These are the four pillars. And then he's got some other supports that are important, but not this important. And um, uh, Brenda mentioned it in the call to worship. Um, we're going to talk about trust. Uh, Dr. Gottman would say that one of the key ingredients to all successful relationships is my ability to trust you and your ability to create trust for me so, so that I can trust you. I do try, I choose to trust you, but you, you have a life that makes trust reasonable. I guess that's the way you would say it. And uh, like I said, he, Dr. Gottman br brought up these, these four ingredients or indicators, that's what he would use, indicators to relationships that consistently are healthy, satisfying, and that last, that endure. Um, I want you to think about these four, and then I, but as I read them to you, here's what I want to ask you. Notice what's on the list, but equally important, notice what's not on the list. He says these are the four most important things that are a successful, healthy, satisfying, lasting relationship. Notice what's on his list, and then notice what's not on his list. I, found that, I find that intriguing, okay? He says, number one, trust versus distrust. And he has these scales. So trust is on one side, distrust is on the other side. And wherever you and your mate or you and your other, any relationship, where you would land on that, that's how satisfying your, your relationship is. That's how lasting your relationship is going to be. That's how uh, uh, healthy and satisfying it is. It's trust to distrust. Second one is loyalty. We'll talk about this next week. Loyalty versus betrayal. Am I Do you feel like I'm loyal to you? Or do you feel like I betray you? And we'll talk about that and what that means. Trust versus distrust. Loyalty versus betrayal. Shared power versus unilateral power. Am I in a relationship where we share the power of the relationship? We make joint decisions. How we spend our money. What we do with our activities and time. Or is there a teller and a telly, a decider and a decidee. I will let you know this is my money, my house, my life. Where you know this is it all centers around me versus we share the power. Raising the kids. Is there one person who really at the end of the day, I know how to raise the children. You don't. So you leave that to me. I know how to spend the money, how to handle the money. You leave that to me. Dr. Gottman would say, that's not a good indicator. Okay, shared power. And then the last one is attention versus neglect. 
No, no, no. Attention versus being ignored. It is neglect, but the word, I want to use the words he uses. When, and I'll be honest with you, on some of these, Shirley would tell you, because she's a gracious woman, she won't tell you, but she could tell you on some of these, I do great. Knock the ball out of the park. Some of them I do terrible. By example, the last one, we're going to talk about this in three or four weeks, but this idea, just so you know, this isn't, ooh, Sherry and Lee know how to do all this really great. Half the team knows how to do it pretty well, the other half's working on it, okay? Um, but uh, giving attention versus ignoring you. Um, boy, convicted the fire out of me when I was reading this. I'll be in, you know, I love to get up early, early, way before probably most of you get up. And I, I, my phone's not buzzing. And I might be buzzing your phone, but you're not buzzing my phone. And uh, uh, I, I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm growing. It's quiet and peaceful. Nobody wants anything. And I, all of a sudden I hear Shirley's alarm go off. And I've got to be quite honest with you. Often the first thought that runs through my mind is, well, crap. I'm sorry. Not jump up. Thank you. Yay. Welcome. And she'll come in to get her coffee. I've got it all ready for her. All she got to do is pour it. It's all ready, fixed the way she likes it. And she'll say, good morning. And what I, what I do is, morning. But what I'm communicating is, leave me alone. Oh, I know. Yeah, leave me alone. I will, I will give you every bit of me later, clear. but not, you know. And it might be when, they, when your mate comes in at the end of the day. I do way better then. Then I'm on, you know, I'm on fire. Then I'm ready. I'm, I'm firing in all cylinders. But I just wanted you to know, we'll talk about this later, but my point simply is, is that all of us, None of us gets a 10 on the scale of 1 to 10 on these, on all four of them. Mm -hmm. If you think you do, that, Dr. Gottman would say, you are deceived and you need to run to Christian Psych and make many appointments. Okay? We're going to talk about one, trust. <clears throat> trust versus distrust. And I think it's worthy of us to ask the question, Am I in a relationship, whatever my core significant relationships are, in that relationship, would I say there's trust, there's real trust there? Um, where would I put, what number would I put uh, in that relationship on trust versus distrust? Well, and in teaching, Larry always, <clears throat> in teaching like this, Larry always takes the hits himself. But the truth of the matter is that we know in any kind of relationship, that it's two-sided. It's, it's never one-sided. Yes, yes. One does great and one does terrible. <clears throat> that is not the way it goes. Yeah, that is, Everybody's yes. got the giving and That's true. Yeah. That's true. That, that, thank you. That is true. Trust. If you're wondering, well, how do you create trust? There's two, a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, this isn't. One of the wonderful things about Dr. Gottman is his stuff it is brilliant, but it is not hard to understand. In fact, I wished it was hard to understand. Then I could excuse it. It's as simple and clear cut as anything in the world. You do not have to be brilliant <laughs> to figure out what he's saying. He says, you want a relationship 
that is healthy, satisfying, and that will last. You will celebrate your 41st anniversary or your 60th anniversary. Uh, uh, Alan and Jean were, 40, uh, were 49. 49 years. Um, why? They were just lucky. It just, they rolled the dice and it just happened to fall that way. Dr. Gottman would say that's craziness. That's craziness. They didn't just roll the dice. They did things that resulted in a relationship that was healthy, satisfying, and enduring. And one of those is they created trust. How do you create trust? Two key ways, Dr. Gottman says. You tell the truth mm, yeah. about your feelings. Keep going. And your thoughts. Keep going. And your deeds. I do great on the deeds. I don't do good on the thoughts and the feelings. I, I grew up in a home where I didn't want, I didn't, you learn not to tell, number one, you were, nobody cares what you think. And nobody cares how you feel. Get up and get a job. And work hard. Be productive. Well, I'm feeling or I'm thinking. If I, want, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. If I need a thinker, I'll go down to Memphis State. I don't need any thinkers. Okay? You grow up in that. You start believing that. So Shirley says, what, do you, what are you thinking? Or how do you feel? I'm fine and I'm great. And I'm not thinking about nothing. How was your day? Good. Yeah, good. What a lovely word. Good. It's a complete sentence. It is not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying that if I want a healthy relationship, a, a relationship that is, sat that is healthy, satisfying, and that will last, I've got to learn to create trust with my wife, not just in what I do, but in being honest and truthful about my thoughts and feelings, that's very hard for me. Very hard for me. The other way that I create trust is by always doing what I say. Not just being truthful about my thoughts, my feelings, and my deeds, but if I tell you something... The, Ignore the idea that, well, you didn't, I didn't promise. No, no, no. That, that's, that, if, you're in third, if you're in first grade, good for you. But we're not talking about that. If I tell you, Michael, I'm going to be at place A, at play, uh, B time, I'm there. It's very important that I'm truthful in what I say about my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. Did you do that? Did you go there? How do you... I tell, I tell. But the other one is, is that I do what I say. There is no, according to Dr. Gottman, there is no relational health, satisfaction, or endurance, relational health, satisfaction, and endurance, without an environment of trust. And that trust is either there or it's not there because the relationship is built with, by two people that Tell each other the truth and do what they say. They keep their word. Where there is not any trust, the opposite of trust is fear. 
So you can ask yourself, am I creating a relationship with my mom, my child, my wife, my boss, my coworkers, my friends? Am I creating a relationship of trust or a relationship of fear? Uh, yes, of fear. If you're not telling me the truth about things, then I'm always living in this environment that you're trying, you're lying to me and you're deceiving me. Also, I'm creating an atmosphere of fear, the fear that I'm alone. That the way, if I'm not, by what I'm not, if I don't do what I say, Larry, did you pay that bill? I asked you to pay that bill yesterday and you told me you would pay that bill. I asked you to pick up the kids at school. Did you? I will do it. Tim, Esther, I'm, I'm talking to y'all. They're, they're going to get married here soon. And I want, are you creating a relationship? If Esther will, will, will stay on the ship, I'm trying to keep her from abandoning ship. But uh, uh, do I have a relationship of trust built upon the fact that I tell the truth and I do what I say? Or am I creating a relationship of fear based upon the fact that people, the people I'm interested with, they lie to me, they deceive me. And I'm terrified because I don't want to live life alone. Now she still might be in the bed with me, she still might be at the dinner table with me, she still might drive down the road with me, but I've got to bear the brunt of life alone. It falls on me. I'm constantly disappointed. I'm constantly alone. I don't feel like I'm on a team. I'm always at risk because the person I'm in relationship with won't do what they tell me. They don't keep their word. People create healthy relationships where there is a willingness People create healthy relationships where there is a willingness to risk conflict. That's why we lie. Just be, well, I, I, amen, Brother Larry. Preach it, brother. I'm married to a rat from Hades. He lies. In a, there's a flip side to this. There's a reason why people lie and deceive. Some of it's their fault. Remember what she said a minute ago? It's always shared. One of the reasons the people, I grew up lying. Because I, I did not want to risk the consequences of the truth being told. So we impact those around us, those that we're in relationship with. We either encourage them to tell the truth, or we encourage them to lie their rear ends off. Whether they feel safe and affirmed and supported, even when they have to say something that is risky and scary, or they say, I'll never tell you the truth because I don't want to go through that again. I, I've experienced telling the truth with you. That'll never happen again. This is a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. And also, Healthy relationships are created not only where I'm willing to risk the conflict that goes along with telling the truth, but I also am willing to make the sacrifices to always do what I tell you I'm going to do. Oh, when I, before, when I told you I would do that, that was before I realized this, this, and this. As if what's happened since then somehow changes whether or not I'm going to do 
what I told you I was going to do. But I got a better offer. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Can you still say that? Is that okay? Um, uh, what, what's that got to do with anything? Whereas I go, nope. I told you I would do this. And I'm going to do it no matter what. Ooh, we got to go. <clears throat> the thing that I want you to know is, it's very important to me. The very same factors, trust versus distrust, loyalty versus betrayal, shared power versus uni, uh, unilateral power, and um, attention versus being ignored. Those very same factors determine our relationship with God too. The same factors that create healthy, satisfying, long-term relational success with each other, exact same four factors that create relational satisfaction, health, and endurance in our relationship with God. Uh, and yeah, just we're going to have to end here in a little while, but I, I, I want you to, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. What creates relational trust? Telling the truth about your thoughts and your feelings and your deeds, your actions, and doing what you say. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. God has a, or wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you worse than a dead man needs a coffin. He desires a relationship with you. He loves you. He adores you. He wants a relationship with you. But he will not accept a relationship with us that's not built on trust. God wants a relationship with me. But he, he is not going to accept long term an unhealthy relationship that's not built on trust. Therefore, because he wants us to have a relationship with him that is built on trust, God is going to tell us the truth even when we don't like it. Even when we disagree with him, even when he knows it's going to make us mad, even when he knows it's going to offend us, even when he knows it's going to run us off. God will never not tell you the truth. And the other thing God won't ever do, God will never not do what he says. Let me turn it around. God will always, in his relationship with you, no matter who you are or what's going on, God will always, in his relationship with you, he'll always risk telling you the truth and he will always do what he said he was going to do because he wants us to have a relationship with him that is built upon trust. From the very first relational story in the Bible, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, eat that, eat of that fruit, it'll create life and joy for you. Don't eat of that fruit, it'll create death and conflict for you. But why? Trust me. First story in the Bible, God asking 
those he delighted in, trust me. Last story in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. You see time after time after time. I'm not talking about with the angels or the demons or the, the, the seals or the trumpets or the uh, bowls. I'm not talking about the cosmic level. But on the human level, last story in the Bible, you see two different times in chapter 6 and in chapter 21. The martyrs that have died in their service to God throughout the ages start crying out to God. They can sense that the end's near. And they say, God! When are you going to make right that which is wrong? When are you going to uh, punish those that have killed us in our devotion to you? And God's answer is, trust me. Trust me. And then later on in chapter 21, uh, uh, I think it's verse 6 or 7 right around in there, John gives us the population of hell, those that aren't in relationship with God. And what it says is, but the fearful and those who would not trust God. The Bible starts with trust. The Bible ends with trust. The Bible tells us that a relationship with God is not possible without trust. Without trust, he, Paul says in Hebrews 11, without trust it is impossible to create a pleasing relationship with God. And I had, I've got all these verses, but I won't read them to you on the fact that God appeals to us, I want a relationship with you. But it's a relationship built upon trust. If you think about it, that is what we all want. I want you yes. to trust me. Yes. That's, yes. What, that's what we want. Yes. Perhaps it's been given to us since we're image bearers of, of uh, God, of Christ. Um, mm. But he wants that. Just like, mm. reciprocated just like we do. Yes, because we're creating his image. Right. Our deepest longings reflect the deepest longings of God. I mean, we're image bearers. We reflect that which is the... I'm not talking about all these, this, the silliness that we live in in our broken world, but who we are at our core. That reflects who God is. Because we are a reflection of Him. We're a reflection of Him. God wants to have a relationship with us that is healthy and satisfying and last. And that demands trust. And I just want you all to know, I'm not minimizing. I've got my struggles and battles and weaknesses. You do too. But for many of us, Fear and unbelief, fear and distrust, those are not just character flaws. Those are not just emotional struggles. I want us to realize that my choice to not trust God, that is the greatest enemy in my life. And it's the greatest enemy in your life. Either we choose, if you read the Bible, the Bible doesn't create this idea that, well, some people just trust God more and some people don't. That, some people do and some people don't. But there are reasons. There are reasons why people trust God and there are reasons why people don't trust God. And I have no greater enemy. I have no greater threat in my life than my choice 
not to trust God because that's the relationship God offers to me. That's the relationship that you and I were created for. The enemy, as I said, the enemy of trust is fear. The fear of being lied to, the fear of being deceived, the fear that I am alone, that the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I've got to make life work. I've got to take care of my kids. I've got to save my marriage. I've got to provide for my needs. I've got to protect myself. I've got to get through life and become successful. It all falls on me. That's So many of us get up every day and we might not say that, but we feel that. If I don't do it, it won't get done. And that includes my helpmate, my partner, because they tell me they're going to do things, but then they don't. God says, trust me. I will always tell you the truth even when you don't like it. And I will always do what I say, even when you don't do what you say. You will bro- you've broken more, pro- I'm speaking for God right now, you've broken more promises to me than I, I, only I can count the number. But I have never broken a promise to you, and I never, ever will. Paul says in Hebrews 6, it is impossible for God to lie to us. And in Joshua 21, Joshua says, not one of God's good promises has ever failed. And then in Numbers chapter 11, God says to Moses and the people of God, is my arm too short? You watch and see if I don't do what I've told you I will do. People who learn to trust God. They live superior lives. You know my favorite chapter in the Bible, Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is, was uh, uh, God's message to David when he was in the most difficult, dark of times. The most painful of times where he had been betrayed by everyone. And God speaks into David's life and God says, David, I promise you if you will trust me, If you will not fear, but instead trust me, I'm going to bless you with a life of success, a life of abundance, a life of courage, a life of safety, and a life of peace. But some of you are sitting here, because I know you like I know my name. Some of you said, Larry, that's easier said than done. I can't trust God with my children. I can't trust God with my marriage. I can't trust God with my finances. I just can't do it. I would tell you that you and I cannot trust that which we don't know. The reason we can't trust God is we don't know God. There is no one in the world. This is the true statement. There is no one in the world that I have ever trusted more than her daddy. If Charlie Brand told me something, buddy, you could take it. He, I, don't, I guess I knew him for 50 some odd years. He never once lied to me. He never once hesitated to tell me what he was thinking and feeling and what he had done. And he never once told me he would do something that he didn't do. 
I knew that about him, hence I could trust him. And I did trust him. We can't trust people we don't know. It's sort of like these people at the Oscars who stand up, you know, with their little golden naked man and they go, Oh, thank you for this. I love you. Who is it you actually love? What's their name? What, what do they do for a living? Where do they live? Who are they married to? Do they have kids? Oh, I don't know them. I just love them. No, no, no. no. We don't, can't love anybody we don't know and we can't trust anybody that we don't know. That's why David says in Psalm 34, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to taste Him. You got you to you get this, this word in your heart and in your mind and in your mouth and in your molecules and in your brain. You've got to get it in there and it will reveal to you who He is. And one of the things that God's word will reveal to us is that God will not lie to us. He will always tell us the truth. He tells us what he thinks. He never hesitates to tell us what he thinks. Well, it offends a fire to me that God's mad at them. He told us the truth. He didn't hesitate. He didn't paint some fairy, you know, some Santa Claus picture of himself. He tells us when he's happy, when he's sad, when he's mad. He tells us the truth about what he's thinking, what he's feeling, and what he's doing. Never hesitates, even when it offends me. And he always does what he says he's going to do. Okay, we're going to end. you have anything? Uh, no, uh, other than the fact that um, in the next couple of weeks, as you teach through these things, my bet is that um, this will come up, but I'll go ahead and say it. And that is that even when these things have been broken in human relationships, trust, and which I might trust today, so um, those things can be healed. Yeah. That's the promise. That is, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because no matter what, people can change. We change slowly and resistantly. <laughs> but we can change. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's the power of God. The power of God can change people. And God can redeem that which we have messed up. And we can create and build trust where there is not. We can move the needle on the Gottman scale. From distrust to trust. Man, well, it's not a 10. Okay, maybe it's not a 10. But we can move it from a 2 to a 4. Or from a 4 to a 6. But we've got to be willing to start telling the truth. And we've got to be willing to do what we say. And with God's grace, we can do that. Okay? Thank you, friend. If you want to... I, I had a whole section in here on the book of Numbers. We were going to look at the book of Numbers today, but we just aren't. Um, I would challenge you, though, to read the book of Numbers. What a glorious book. It sounds like it wouldn't be a great book. It's one of the best books in the world. It is one of the top, I think, three or four most quoted books in the, in the other books of the Bible. The, the writers of the Bible, especially the Psalms, the prophets, and the apostles, they love the book of Numbers as much as any other book in the Bible. And they quoted it all the time. It's a great book. You ought to read it. And, it, and the, the theme of the book of Numbers, learning to trust God. Learning that God is worthy of being trusted. Okay. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Um, 
let's say here. Rita, would you and Fatty come up here and y'all can be my hands? Or more importantly, you can be the Lord Jesus' hands. Come stand right there and, and hand that. Oh, you'll take that one? Okay. There you go. You go over there. Yeah. Do what she said. Um, thank y'all. If you would try to remember to come in the middle and then exit by the sides so we don't have a log jam. Um, I would just encourage you, since we're talking about trust today, maybe you will eat and drink that which represents your Savior's body and blood as a way of just declaring that today I trust you. I haven't done a great job in the past maybe, and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But today I choose by faith to trust God. And I eat and I drink as a way of declaring that that's my intention, that's my belief. For others of us, maybe we eat and we drink today as a way of just crying out, just a visible plea, God, I have done terrible at trusting you, but I want to do better. Have mercy on me. Maybe that's why you should eat and drink today. Just as a way of visibly declaring, God, help me learn to trust you. Help me learn to trust you. I want you to come and get bread and wine and eat and drink and remember. And then I want you to sit down for just a minute uh, before we're dismissed, if you would, okay? And we're going to pray for a couple of people. So you come.